Uh, if we have not met, or just in case you forgot, my name is David, and uh, I was uh, pleased on Monday morning. I got back to the office and uh, stepped into my office, and my, all my stuff was still there, uh, which was really nice to see, uh, to, to find out that evidently I'm still the senior pastor here. That was, that was really good. So I've uh, been away for many weeks, but it is uh, very good to be home. appreciate your welcome, uh, not only here at the 930 service, uh, those at the Well Cafe, welcome to you uh, as well. I also ask for your grace today. Uh, over the course of 18 years of ministry, this is the longest that I've gone without preaching. And so I'm kind of holding on to that idea of like, you know, if you learn to ride a bike, you'd know how to do it forever. We'll see. I don't know. This is kind of a test, so appreciate your grace uh, this morning. One of the things I'd love to hear about uh, after being away is just what's happened uh, while, uh, while I've been away. And I got something just before the service that I want to share with you. Uh, this is a letter that says this. Uh, Dear Pastor David, this year we held our fourth annual BB's Lemonade and Snack Shack we beat our amount from last year, raising a total of $380.80. Uh, now, this is something that two kids in our church have done for many years to raise money for Zoe Ministry. Zoe Ministry is a ministry that we partner with that is empowering orphans in Rwanda and India to never need charity again. So this is from uh, Brindley and Blade. I'll show you this uh, picture of the two of them from this morning. Uh, and their offering is right here on our altar here in our sanctuary today. So how about we say a word of thanks to Brindley and Blade for leading us. And that is, that is awesome. Last year, I had the chance to go by and, and uh, actually visit the Snack Shack. I was out of town this year, but it was good to, uh, to hear that report from them. And, and Brindley's going to be an accountant one day. She's got the totals from year one, year two, year three, and year four uh, on here. So you can see uh, the growth that's happened uh, in that. Uh, we are beginning a brand new series uh, called Be Brave. And if you walked in today, if you glanced at the front of your bulletin, my guess is that you, you had a sense of what today's message was going to be about. You, you didn't think that, oh, I wonder if we're talking about patience today. Uh, the outcome of this series, what we hope is accomplished, it's, it's very clear. The, 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 the title of this series is a challenge. Uh, it's very clear that we want to challenge ourselves to live brave lives. But I want to begin with just acknowledging uh, to you that I understand that if you come to church over the course of the next four weeks, which we hope that you do, by the way, but if you come over the next four weeks and all you hear are those words, be brave, my guess is that nothing is going to change in your life. You're going to be right where you are today. If that's all you hear, be brave. Nothing's going to change because that is not enough. You might think about it this way. Maybe you've been through a season in your life where you found yourself living with a higher level of anxiety than you normally do. And maybe that was because of a circumstance that you were going through or, or because of a, uh, something that you saw in the life of a loved one. You were concerned about the direction that they might be heading. Or maybe it was a circumstance, something, a challenge that you saw down the road that you might have to face. And out of that season of increased anxiety, you did something really good. You decided to talk to somebody about that. You reached out to a friend and you laid it all out for them. You talked about what it was that was just stirring in your heart and your soul and you couldn't let go of the thing that was keeping you up at night. This, again, challenge or this loved one or what you were going through at that particular moment. And in response, that really good friend said... Well, don't worry. 
I wonder if any of you in response thought, well, you know, I never thought about that. That's a really good idea. I don't know if you've noticed, but for highly anxious people, don't worry, is not very good advice. Because that's actually what they are trying to do. They just don't know how to do it. So as we think about this word brave, I want to give you a, a couple other words just to wrap your head around what we mean when we, when we talk about this, this word brave. We're talking about courageous and fearless, heroic, bold, daring, audacious, unflinching, unafraid. And I want to suggest to you that this is actually the life that we all want to live. That within all of us, there is actually a desire to live a life that others might describe as courageous and fearless and heroic and bold. Not dumb or stupid, by the way. That's not up here. Keep that in mind. But a life that is audacious, a life that is, uh, that, that is defined by, by these words because I think we share this conviction that a brave life is a meaningful life. So if that is true... And if we find ourselves living a life that falls short of that standard, then there must be something that's in the way. There must be something that's preventing us from engaging with a life that we would think of as a brave life, or a life that is courageous, a life that is defined by fearlessness, a, a daring, audacious life. And so what I, where I want to start in this series is, is first looking at what I would suggest is the number one thing that prevents us from living a brave life. And we're going to look at that uh, in the life of the Old Testament um, uh, character Joshua. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. That is the sixth book in the Bible. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can find Joshua 1 on page 330 in the blue Bibles that we have available for you here in our worship space. Uh, not only here in the sanctuary, but also upstairs. You can find it there. Uh, and you can just lay that on your lap, because uh, I'm going to tell you a few things about that before uh, we read the first nine verses uh, of Joshua chapter one. There's other things, I think, that, that make uh, living a brave life difficult. One is that the, the brave thing is always the hard thing. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but these always go hand in hand. The brave thing is always the hard thing. <laughs> It is that thing that when we think about it in the pit of our stomachs, we just, we get a little nervous. We, we, we're, uh, you know, it, it makes us want to say, no, I don't want to do that because it's a hard thing. Sometimes we claim to do brave things that really aren't that hard. <laughs> and we get real proud of ourselves. Oh, I did a brave thing, but it wasn't really a hard thing. A brave thing is always the hard thing. But, but there's another thing that I think really makes us challenging. And that is that uh, in our everyday living uh, there's not a soundtrack to our life. And I just want you to imagine how easy it would be to act in brave ways if whenever that moment presented itself to you, whenever that moment of decision, whenever you were challenged, if in the, if just in the background, if you heard this right here, like you would know, right? This is the moment. I think I'm supposed to be brave right now. This is how I know when to charge, right? But, but these moments happen in everyday moments of our life. There's no soundtrack. There's no, there's no cue that this is the time when, when, when we're meant to, to live out this, this, this brave life. So looking at the life of Joshua, I'm going to tell you a few things that precede, again, these verses I'm going to read to you. Uh, you probably noticed that before Joshua is the book of Deuteronomy. 
And Deuteronomy are the, uh, really the last words uh, of instruction uh, from Moses to the people of Israel as Moses uh, approaches the end of his life. Uh, so Moses begins uh, in, in, in writing Deuteronomy, he begins at a moment in the history of Israel that is less well known to all of us. Most of us know about let my people go and the parting of the Red Sea. And, and, and many of us assume that those two moments are followed by those words that are so familiar to us and they lived happily ever after. But that wasn't quite what happened, okay? So when Moses leads the people out of slavery in Egypt, the goal is to get to the promised land. And after, after crossing through the, the dry ground as the Red Sea was parted, they come to the shoreline of the Jordan River. This is the moment that, that Moses is re- reflecting on, the beginning of Deuteronomy. And Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land for 40 days just to see what they were going to be facing, uh, to see about the people who had inhabited the land while the Israelites had been living in slavery. And when those 12 spies come back, 10 of them come back and say, we need to come up with another plan, okay? The people there are giants. There's no way we can conquer them. I know God d- has given us this land evidently, but we should probably look somewhere else. Now two come back, the youngest, uh, Caleb and Joshua, they come back and say, have y'all not seen what God has done on our behalf? We can do this, but of course among the people, the ten outweigh the two, and Israel turns around. And there's two consequences to this action. The first is that God says for every day that the spies were in the promised land, that's 40, for every day Israel will spend one year wandering in the wilderness. That's 40 years. That's the first consequence. The second consequence, which may sound a little bit harsh, is God says to Moses, when you get back here, you will not be the one to lead the people across the Jordan River into the promised land. So Moses is reflecting on this moment because they've returned. They are back at the shoreline of the sea of the of the Jordan River. They are at the brink of entering into the Promised Land, and and there's a couple of episodes in Deuteronomy that I want to make sure you know about. As again, we think about Joshua in his life. Uh, the first is from chapter three. You don't have to look this up. I'll, I'll read it to you. Uh, but this is verse 21 of chapter three. At that time, I this is Moses speaking. I commanded Joshua. You have seen with your own eyes all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. He's referring to some earlier battles. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms over there where you are going. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. And then right after this, Moses has what I would describe as his pretty, pretty please moment, okay? So, so, so he comes to God and, and, he, and he basically says to God, okay, 40 years ago, I know what you said. I wasn't going to be able to do this, but pretty, pretty please, can I be the one to lead Israel into the promised land? And God not only says no, if you look at verse 28, the end of 28 says this, God responds to Moses by saying, do not speak to me anymore about this matter, okay? In other words, we're done with this. But, verse 28, but commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he, Joshua, will lead uh, this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. 
Then we jump over to verse 31, and something even more significant occurs. Uh, Verse 31, beginning in verse 1, then Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. So this is not just Joshua and Moses. This is not just Moses and God. This is now Moses before all of Israel, and he says, I am now 120 years old. I am tired, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. Now, just imagine this moment, okay? They're back. It's taken them 40 years to get here. This guy is the one who's been leading them all the way back uh, since they left Egypt. He's brought them back to the shoreline of the Jordan River again. They're about to cross, and Moses says, oh, by the way, I'm not going with you. And then we jump down to verse 7 in that same chapter. And before uh, all of Israel again, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them and you must divide it among them according uh, as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. And then in verse 23, another significant moment. The Lord, this isn't Moses, just Moses and Joshua. This isn't Moses uh, speaking to Joshua in front of all of Israel. This is now God speaking. The Lord gave this command to Joshua, son of Nun. Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites Uh, into the land I promised them on oath and I myself will be with you. So then we get to Joshua chapter one. And by the way, at the end of Deuteronomy, spoiler alert, Moses dies, okay? Uh, Moses dies, chapter 34. We read about the death of Moses. We read about the way that Israel remembers this great and incredible leader. And then we get to Joshua chapter one, verse one, and it begins in this way. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you everything, every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You've probably already picked up on this. You've probably already noticed this. But one of the reasons that I wanted to read to you from Deuteronomy 3 and Deuteronomy 31 is I wanted you to recognize the repetition of words. 
The repetition, the theme that, is, that has been uh, spoken into Joshua's life over the course of time. These are the same words that Moses had said to Joshua. These are the same words that Moses had spoken over Joshua before all of Israel. These are the same words that God had said to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31 over and over again. He had said, he had heard, be strong and courageous. The Lord will go with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. The words that God shares with Joshua on this day are the words that God had been speaking into his life over the course of many days. Through Moses, through his peers, through all of Israel. And now he has come to the day when it is time for Israel to get up, to cross the river, and to enter into the promised land. And so God says, have I not commanded you? Have I not been saying all along? Have you not heard this over and over and over again? Be strong and courageous because this is it. This is the moment. In other words, if there was a soundtrack, this is the time when all of Israel needs to pick up their stuff because we're crossing that river. We're going into the promised land. We're going to take it back for our people. We've been waiting here. We wandered for 40 years. But today is the day. So let's go. Now, notice with me though, how God begins these words of instruction, this, this inspiring reminder of, of what's been planted in Joshua's heart over the course of time. Again, this is right after Deuteronomy. We've already heard about, we know that Moses uh, has died. Everyone knows that Moses has died. Everyone knows that this great leader, he's gone. Uh, we're here this day, but Moses isn't here, and he's not going with us, and he's not going to lead us in the same way that he's led us for decades. The same way that he's cared for us for decades. The one who stood up to Pharaoh. The one uh, who, who before him the, the waters of the Red Sea parted. The one who walked with us all of those years and took care of us the entire way. He's not here. And notice that, that, that God begins, uh, again, these, these encouraging, inspiring words uh, by, by reminding Joshua, Moses is dead. I just, just want to remind you, Moses is dead. This great, amazing leader that you celebrate, that has meant so much to Israel, who had poured his life into you, who spoke these words into you, I just want to remind you, he's dead. He's gone. And he's not coming back. It's sort of a peculiar way to begin, these, uh, these, these inspiring words, the reminder of being strong and courageous, beginning with the idea that Moses is dead. And you may think I'm reading too much into this, but I think there is something going on here that God is from the very beginning seeking to undermine the number one thing that would prevent Joshua in the days ahead uh, from acting in the brave way that he had been called to live. 
And that is the same thing that it is in your life and in my life. It's the same thing that was in Joshua's life. God wanted Joshua to know that in the coming days, And in everything that you face ahead, the one thing I do not want you to do, I don't ever want you for a moment to do, I don't ever want you looking over your shoulder and remembering the one who had come before you. And in any moment of the days ahead, I don't ever want you thinking, oh man, I sure wish Moses was here. (laughs) He would be doing such a better job because Moses is gone. And he's not coming back. I'm saving that resurrection thing for later. So don't be looking. See, they didn't laugh at 815 either. So don't be looking over your shoulder, wondering when Moses was going to return to take up this mantle of leadership that may feel really, really heavy in the days ahead. This may sound overly simple, It may sound obvious to you, but I think it's a profound truth. And I don't think we can talk about engaging and living a brave life until we just confess and really face this idea that the number one thing that prevents us from a life of bravery, from living a brave life, is that when those moments occur, when that decision is before us, this is what we often think. Someone else will do what I am unwilling to do. We stand there and we feel that, that pit of the stomach turning. Maybe this is the, I'm listening for the music. Is this the time? But what so many of us find ourselves saying and believing and just shrinking back from the moments of life, grabbing hold of, is that someone else will do what I am unwilling to do. Someone else will show up. Someone else will be the one to step up. Someone else will be the one to sacrifice. Someone else will be the one to to come in and say the right words. Someone else will be the one to take that first step that I'm, for whatever reason, unwilling to take. And I think there's a couple of reasons. I just share some observations in my own life and the life of others. A couple of things we tell ourselves that, that kind of support us in this thinking. The, uh, the first one is that someone else is better equipped. I mean, we get that and we think, well, someone else will be better at this than I will be. So I'm just going to wait and I'm going to let them do it because they're better equipped at, at, at this. And here's the irony of this. This is almost always true. <laughs> Regardless of what it is you're facing, someone else is better equipped to, to, to face that moment than, than you are. Uh, many of you know Pastor Don, who served on our staff. Uh, I, I want you to know this is true for pastors too. Pastor Don is in his 44th year of ministry. I'm in year 18. Pastor Don is more equipped to handle some uh, pastoral situations than I am. But sometimes I'm in the room, and he's not. I, I, I've been hearing that you're enjoying uh, Pastor Julian. I knew you would. I'm excited to hear that. Pastor Pastor Julian's been a pastor for about 13 minutes, okay? I mean, he's brand new. (laughs) Right? But there are going to be times when he walks into that hospital room. And it doesn't matter 
It will not matter whether or not he feels equipped or he feels like he has the experience. He's the one in the room. You're going to be the one. You're, you're the one in the front yard when the neighbor is just visiting with you and all of a sudden they say, I think my husband or my wife is going to leave me. And you may think to yourself, wow, I really wish somebody else was here to talk about this. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But guess what? It's your front yard. And you're the one who's there. And over and over again, life presents us moments where we think, wow, I, there's somebody else who's better equipped to do it. But we're the one who's standing there. And we're the ones in that moment who have the opportunity to be brave. Second thing, I, last time I tried, I failed. It went bad. It was terrible. I bombed. It didn't go well. It hurt. It was painful. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to walk through that again. Because the last time, it just, man, I just, it just didn't go well. And sometimes we think that because it really didn't go well. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just didn't go well. We tried, but we failed. But sometimes we think that because we have this assumption about what was successful or what was a failure that may not be true the outcome we hope for maybe you didn't realize maybe you didn't get to that place but maybe when you were brave and you spoke that word of of love into the life of a loved one maybe maybe that behavior didn't change but just maybe they walked away thinking wow they care about me these get exceedingly harder by the way Here's the third one. I have too much to lose. I have too much to lose. So I'm just going to wait for somebody else to do this brave thing because I, I, got, I got way too much to lose. This, this is why, by the way, that, that, that for many, the more, uh, the more we gain, the harder it is to give because we just feel like we have more to lose. It's why people who've been in a relationship over the course of decades, a relationship built on a commitment to one another, a relationship that's built out of love, but, but they find themselves at a place of challenge and tension, uh, a place of conflict, and they just cannot seem to move forward because there's just this sense that I have so much to lose. I don't know if I can take the first step forward because everything within me is saying, I want to take another step back. And again, I told you these get harder. The last one, I don't want to. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes the reason that we don't do the brave thing is from the depth of our heart, we just say, no, I don't want to do that. No. And, and, let, and let me just say, I think it's okay for us to find ourselves at a place where all we can say is no. I don't think it's okay for us to lie to ourselves and to pretend that that's not what's happening in our life. I think it's important that we're honest with ourselves and we just recognize that what's coming out of our heart is just a no when God is inviting us to say yes. Now, if you're here today and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus 
If you have not said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, let me just tell you, you're off the hook on this, okay? But if you're here today and you've said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, and you find yourself at a place where your heart is saying no, you have a problem that has to be dealt with. If I find myself at a place where my only answer, all I can give is no, I have a problem, and I have to deal with that. In the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the two, what, again, just my observation, the two hardest things for people who have surrendered their life to Jesus, the hardest things to do, the places where we just find ourselves saying no, where we essentially, when we sing the song, I surrender all, we should add the word almost, Because our heart just says no. And again, the most important thing is just to be honest about that. So here's your homework for this week. What I want to invite you to do is over the next several days, I want to invite you to, to, to pray about what it is that you find yourself uh, falling back on when there is something that presents itself and you think to yourself, someone else will do what I'm unwilling to do? Is it because you really struggle with this feeling equipped and you just think somebody else will do it? Is it it because you did fail last time and you're still dealing with maybe the hurt or pain of that? Is it because you feel like you have too much to lose and maybe somebody else should step in uh, and, and take that challenge because of it? Or is there a place in your life where you're just saying no? And if so, I would just invite you to be honest with God about that. You say, God, I know this is a problem. And I need your help. Because I know in my heart the only thing I can say is no. God's knocking down the door saying, it's time to forgive. And you just keep saying no. Nope. Not going to do it. Nope. Just spend some time talking to him about that. To be honest with yourself, and the second thing I want to invite you to do this week is I want to invite you to do something hard. And I'm not going to tell you what that is. Some of you already know what that is because you've been thinking about it for weeks, months, who knows. But I want to invite you to do something hard. I might even ask you next week to turn to your neighbor and tell him what that hard thing was. But I want to challenge you to do something hard, remembering that when we think about a brave life, a courageous life, a fearless, heroic, bold, daring, audacious life, this is actually the life that you want to live. So if there is something that is holding you back, it's worth asking the question, Lord, what might that be? Let's pray. Loving God, I pray that you would give us the courage to be honest with you and to be honest with ourselves. And I recognize, Lord, that for for any of us, for me, for any of my brothers and sisters, to really be honest, maybe we first need just to spend some time listening. Because you know our hearts so much better than we do. And so even as we pray for courage, Lord, We also pray for wisdom. 
that your spirit would reveal to us where it is that we may find ourselves stuck because of a lie that we've been holding on to for too long. None of us, Lord, wants to come to the end of our life and just say, well, we played it safe. We want to live lives that are meaningful. And so help us, Lord, to do the hard things, to be brave. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.